It is good to be here today, and if you didn't know it, uh, if you've gone to our website for Friends Church in North Carolina, uh, you'll notice there that it is World Quaker Day, October 7th, is World Quaker Day, Friends World Committee. Uh, is, is calling October 7th as World Quaker Day. And I, I'm not sure what you're supposed to do, Rusty, on, on World Quaker Day. You're supposed to preach. Okay. <laughs> but uh, maybe some Quaker humor would be, and I was practicing some of these jokes on Sarah uh, on the way. And by the way, it's good to have a pew full of, of grandkids and my daughter and Linda. Uh, She's my greatest encourager, and she has to listen to all these jokes all, all the time. But in the interest of World Quaker Day, two elderly Quakers met at uh, a meeting. They hadn't seen each other in a while, and one said to the other one, how gray thou art. <laughs> okay. A lady said to her Quaker pastor, I was at the threshold of despair, and you helped me to take a step forward. <laughs> those delays. Some Quakers will do odd things to get even. Now, I like that one. <laughs> and one Quaker said, if God had meant for us to fly, it would be easier to get to the airport. So anyway, there's a little bit of Quaker humor. But I, I am glad to be with you, and uh, thank you for inviting us. We made some great friends while we were here, continue to be our friends. And in recent days, uh, Doris has left us, and Ed has left us, and I I think about others that uh, have gone to the other side and await us there. And uh, at homecoming time, we think about those who are precious to us and precious, precious memories. <clears throat> if you look at my sermon title, if you're an English major, you may correct me. Faith looks backwards or faith looks backward. Now, one is an adjective and one is an adverb. So we could say it both ways. Um, if, if you meant faith seems naive or stupid, you would say faith looks backward, I guess. But I didn't mean it that way. I mean, we need to look to the past in order to learn something. So correct my English, if you will, and if you must. But what I, the point I want to make is that our faith asks us to look backward. We sometimes think that faith is always looking at the unknown or looking forward. We talk about taking a leap of faith. We talk about uh, faith looking uh, at the future and, uh, and seeing what God has out there. But I, I know you've had Don Farlow here and some others, and we're thinking about the past. We're thinking about where we fit in as friends, as Quakers, as Christians uh, in the past. And that's one of the reasons I chose that scripture, because it gives us some imperatives. These are more than suggestions. If you look at the way that verse is constructed, the 16th verse of the 6th chapter of Jeremiah, you will find that it says there, stand. That's a command. He didn't say, I hope you're going to do this, or I would suggest this, but he says, stand in the old paths. Stand in the old paths. See, look at what worked. Not only what works or what will work in the future, but what worked. We tried it. We tested it, and it proved true. Ask, Jeremiah says, for the time-tested values of faith. Look at those things, those foundational things, those things that anchor us, those things that keep us settled, and those are the things that will give you peace. And walk in the good way. 
So these are things that God has given us and, and they've been tested over time. And it's, it's, if you want to call it the old time religion, whatever you want to call it. This is what we need to do. Look at the things which anchor us as friends, as anchor us as Christians, as believers. The result is rest for your souls. At the time of the end, and I believe that we are in the final days of this era, this world, I believe Christ uh, will return soon. If, if he doesn't, I'll be disappointed. Now, I know he doesn't ask me what, uh, what's on the calendar, but God makes those decisions. But in the book of Daniel, the scripture says, knowledge will increase and many shall run to and fro. Never before has mankind been so busy and so worn out from going to and fro in his own selfish ways. We're worn out with our selfish plans and our selfish ways. Jesus says, if that's your condition, if that's my condition, come unto me, all you, uh, all ye who labor, all you who are, are bearing heavy burdens. And I, I look into the faces of people who are carrying some heavy burdens. You may smile and you may, you may wear a facade and, and you may fool a lot of people, but inside, inside you're hurting. And you're carrying some baggage and you're carrying some heavy burdens. And Jesus says, I know about that. The one sitting next to you may not know about that, but I know about that. And I give you an invitation. Come unto me, all you who labor, who are carrying those heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. But we have to seek him. And it's worked for over 2,000 years, and we need to still keep seeking him. If you want to go back to the Old Testament, it's many more thousand years than just a couple. And so we need to, to take Jesus seriously. We, we need to consider his invitation. Uh, it works. Someone has said, I've seen the past, and it works. Even the painful past, even the painful past can teach us valuable lessons and bring us to maturity. But let's be more specific. Let's look at our place in history here at Artsdale. As a meeting in Piedmont, North Carolina with connections to Springfield friends and uh, other Quakers who came to this area from Cane Creek and if you want to go all the way back down to Eastern Quarter. And one of those interesting coincidences or God incidents that I was talking to Jerry about a, a moment ago is very clear today because I'm looking at Florence Day. She was a maid of honor in Mary Manus's wedding, is that right? All right. Mary Manus was the first Quaker I ever saw. <laughs> she came to a little mill town. I was raised down in Rayford in Hoke County, and no, nobody knows where that is unless you're, you're on your way to the beach or something like that. But Mary Manus came from Archdale Friends Meeting as a Quaker preacher, as an evangelist in a little mill town called Rayford, where I grew up. Later, she visited our church again after she had married Arthur Wesley as a missionary to China and Formosa. And uh, it made a great impression on me. Little did I know that I would come to her home meeting, and here's an interesting coincidence. She was a Quaker 
who became a Methodist. I was a Methodist who became a Quaker. And I came to Archdale meeting. This was her home meeting. And, and her influence and the, and the influence of other Quakers have touched my life uh, in many ways. The, the Methodists have a term called prevenient grace. And what that means is God shows us grace at times in our lives when we really need it desperately. And at times that we're not aware of, but God is showing us grace and God is showing us consideration and God is looking out for us. And so by his prevenient grace, I met Quakers in my early years and later came to be a part of the Society of Friends. Our faith does look at the past. Our faith looks at what God has done for us at moments in, in, that we're not aware of, but God is working and God is moving and the wheels are turning. And at homecoming, we look back and say, hitherto hath God helped us. God has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. This meeting has distinguished itself in Deep River Quarter and now in Southern Quarter. Uh, and recently I have fallen heir to minutes from yearly meeting in 1947 and in 1980. And that gives me a window into the past. Almost 70 years have passed since those minutes in 1947. And so as I look back over my shoulder, I want you to go with me on that little journey. I want you to look through that window to the past. And we look back at those times and those records and it becomes a time capsule and we begin to see what God was doing then and perhaps we can learn something from what God was doing then in our, in our past. I looked at the 1947 minute book and Clifton Pearson was your pastor. Your clerk was Hazel Hancock. Your Sunday school superintendent was Albion English. Your representatives to yearly meeting were Bertie York, Clifton Pearson, and Hazel Hancock. Isaac Harris, of course, was just an executive sec sec secretary, superintendent is what we, what we call it now, but he was, uh, had just returned from uh, Indiana and was now the executive secretary. Now here's something interesting, was in the, the statistical reports, in 1947, in the minute book held at Guilford College, they recorded 365 conversions. And out of 70 meetings, that means there were several conversions at each of the meetings if you average it out. There were 526 members who joined the yearly meeting or joined in meetings that uh, became part of the yearly meeting. There were 551 homes that had family worship. I think a good query is in order here or several queries in that connection. How long has it been since someone trusted Christ as savior in our meetings? Not just at Archdale, but my meeting and across our yearly meeting. How many, how many meetings have recorded conversions in the past year? How long has it been since we added new members? Stood before us and we welcomed them into the, into the meeting and gave them the right hand of fellowship. How long has it been since we've done that? How long has it been since you had family worship? Since your children or grandchildren or 
wife or husband heard you pray or read a verse of scripture. We talk about missing prayer in the schools and I miss that and the values that need to be taught in our schools. That makes it even more imperative that we teach them at home. That our children and grandchildren and those around us, the younger folks, see us living out a religion, not just mouthing it and giving assent to it vocally, but living out our beliefs. Showing them what it is to pray and trust God and know the scriptures. So it's in the minute books. It's in the past. It's good. It worked. It continues to work if we'll do it. We need to become intentional Christians. I really think we need to be confronting lives deliberately. That's what Thoreau said. He said, I, I went to Walden Pond to confront life deliberately. And that works in the spiritual realm. Uh, we have to decide some things that worked and we look at the past and we look at what God has done for us and we, we say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm going to commit myself to, to being obedient and to, to recreating some of those moments of faith and of leadership. Now let's jump forward to the 1980 minutes. This was only 38 uh, years ago. Your representatives to yearly meeting were Robert and Sarah Blair, Moselle Gross, Faye English, Bertie York, Beverly Jessup. Billy Britt was superintendent. Isaac Harris was your pastor. Memorials that year were for Estelle Marsh, Henry Mitchell, Francis Marsh, and Effie Spencer. Now, that's a little window to, to something that wasn't that long ago. Elton Trueblood spoke that year at yearly meeting and his opening address was the necessity of prayer. The necessity of prayer. He said that when we assemble together that we ought to do that for several reasons. And I quote, we gather because we love one another. And let me stop just for a moment and say that. Uh, Elton Trueblood observed that and it's true. We gather, I heard prayer requests, I heard words of joy and praise. You don't do that just anywhere. That's, that's part of what we do at church in the family of God. Isn't it good to feel that, that you can share these sorts of things and know that someone is with you and there's a, a, a comradeship that exists that will help you bear your burdens and celebrate the things that, that are going right. So he says, we gather because we love each other. We gather to make decisions, he says. We gather to think. I don't think you have to check your brain out at the door and, and leave it outside somewhere. We're not asking you to believe the impossible. We're asking you to believe God. And with God, the scripture says all things are possible. So you can bring your intellect in here. You can bring uh, your troubles and your cares. And, and you will find some answers if you're honest and if you will trust him. We gather to think. We gather above all, he says, to pray, end of quote. He points out that in the modern world, and if this was true in 1980, it's certainly true today, we're in real danger of substituting mere activity for spiritual life. 
substituting mere activity, just stuff in the bulletin, stuff we're doing, and we substitute that for depth in our spiritual life. Depth in our spiritual life. He challenges us as friends to become a school of prayer. What a challenge for Orchdale, friend. What a challenge for Bethel, friend, where I am. To become a school, not of activity, but a school of prayer. So how's that for looking backward? For insight and for challenge and maybe stepping on our toes just a little bit. So prayer becomes the main event around which all of our other events circulate. Prayer calls us to look backward or backwards at the habit of the lives of saints and the apostles and certainly our Lord. Jesus said we ought to always pray and not to grow faint. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes has a motto, it's this, don't give in, don't give up, and don't give out. I like that. Don't give in, don't give up, and don't give out. And, and I will say this, you can only accomplish that motto, those words, with the help of prayer. You cannot do it without prayer. The journal I spoke about a few moments ago in is 1,300 pages long, and that's, that's no great accomplishment for, a, for me, but I, I, I have written down so many things in my journal that, that have encouraged me and helped me and tested me and disappointed me and discouraged me, and uh, there's all ranges of emotion and feelings in, in my journal. But through it all, God has been faithful, and through it all, there runs the thread of prayer, and it, it is in all of our lives, if you really seriously trust Jesus, whether you keep a journal or not, it is what will get you through. It's what will take you from here to there. The songwriter and poet as well said these words. And these are the words of James Montgomery. And these words of poetry were set uh, to music. And Charlene will recognize this. Prayer is a soul's sincere desire, spoken or unexpressed. The motion of a hidden fire that trembles in our breast. Prayer is the burden of a sigh, the falling of a tear, the upward glancing of an eye when none but God is near. Prayer is the simplest form of speech that infant lips can try. Prayer is the sublimest strains that reach the majesty on high. Prayer is the Christian vital breath, the Christian's native air, his watchword at the gates of death, he enters rest with prayer. The saints in prayer appear as one in word and deed and mind, while with the Father and the Son, sweet fellowship they find. O thou by whom we come to God, the life, the truth, the way, the path of prayer thyself hast trod. Lord, teach us how to pray. So what about the conclusion? This matter of looking back and looking at our faith and what used to be and what we can learn from that. We don't glorify the past. We give God the glory. The past is like a trophy case. There are memories there. There are teams and pictures of days gone by. There are goals. There are accomplishments that have been wrought by prayer 
and faith and teamwork. Don't worship the past. Don't live there. We can visit there. We can learn something there. And we give thanks for our past. We move on. We move forward. We move outward. We move upward. But never losing the fertile soil of the past in which we are grounded and anchored. Blessed be the name of the Lord.